Attention to roll call. Welcome to the 265 Police Live Series. Brought to you by the New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. The mission of this podcast is to provide expert analysis of past and present law enforcement related events with a trained eye. Listen to the boots on the ground weigh in on the court of public opinion. All right. Everybody, how you doing? Eric Dim here, most complaint cop, NYPD, retired lieutenant, with my co-host, with my partner here, the founder of New York's Finest Retired Unfiltered Podcast, John McCary, retired lieutenant. What's up, brother? What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Outstanding, outstanding. Well, we had Corey Grable on the other day. We had an opportunity to interview him, PBA potential candidate for New York City's largest union, Patrol Benevolence Association. I thought it was a great interview, but I just want to make it clear before we talk about today's topic, which is going to be analysis of that interview, John McCary and myself, we want to make it known to the public, we are not endorsing any candidate at this time. We just wanted to create a platform to give the opportunity so that PBA candidates or any potential candidate for a specific position that we find important, imperative, that we give them an opportunity to be heard. So, John, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, that's what we did, right? We, we said we're going to, you know, we're going to be the voice for the, the front line. You know, we're going to say we're going to talk about the stuff that's being talked about in the car. It's being talked about in the locker room. That's being talked about by a bunch of overtired guys who got nothing else better to do. You know, so that's what we're doing. You know, uh, a lot of our listeners asked to, if we could have a debate on here. We offered a debate. We offered a, a, a one-on-one interview and a debate. All the questions would be presented ahead of time, and we let you guys make the decision. You know, we're not, we don't have a horse in the race, and we are definitely not endorsing anybody. So, I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't know if that changes at some point, um, but at this point, I, I don't think so. You just, you know, but I, but I do give Corey Grable a ton of respect for coming on here. He was the only one that listened up, um, and you know, that's I got, I got to give the guy respect. I mean, Pat Lynch has not responded to the debate nor to the interview. I mean, if I'm a candidate, you know, I've had politicians on this show. We've had politicians on the show. They they jump all over every media. Why wouldn't you want to come out and talk to the men and women? Corey Grable interview got downloaded thousands of times. Why doesn't Pat Lynch want to speak to you? I don't know Corey Grable personally, but what I can tell you from the interview, from that brief moment in time that we had two hours, I, I, I was extremely impressed that he showed great courage to come on this podcast because I'm pretty confident. I mean, he said it, but he didn't go really into it. I'm pretty confident that his people told him not to come on this podcast, that chances are he's going to be attacked. But he showed complete bravery and courage and saw a potential opportunity to actually be heard. Because we know at the last PBA meeting, he was shunned. He was not given an opportunity to speak. So he took a chance. And life is all about chances. The only way to succeed in life is that you're willing to take a risk. And he took a risk. It was a great opportunity for everyone to see because we showed that despite our opinions, despite our beliefs, we're here to seek the truth and we're here to give an opportunity to someone to speak with extreme professionalism. So with that, I show extreme respect to Corey Grable and I have respect for him for coming on this show. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with everything that he said, but I, I, I do have the ultimate respect for him. And I do think that other than some of the stuff we talked about, I think he was a complete gentleman, and he appears to be. 
for myself, I think he's a nice guy. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, and like I said, I, I put it out there on social media. Eric agrees with it. We've spoken about yeah. this. I mean, I'm not a fan of Eric Adams at all. I'm not a fan of Bill de Blasio at all. I think they're terrible people. I think they're terrible leaders. Um, they could come over to my house and have a cup of coffee. We could have a discussion like gentlemen. Now I'll break it down later on and I'll, and I'll keep it, I'll keep doing it, but I don't believe in, in, in bullying someone into we're not going to, you're not going to understand my point of view and, and, and I'm not going to understand yours. So let's just put it out there and maybe we come to an understanding. This is how I feel. This is how you feel. And this is what we're doing on the show. I mean, we, you know, and myself or Eric have never been, and I got your moment. If we had, it wasn't on purpose. Um, you know, we're both respectful guys. You know, we say a lot of shit on social media, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of venting and stuff like that. But, you know, we don't, we're not trying to create an environment of, of, like, I, I, you know, I always relate to the Hannity interview when he interviewed Bill de Blasio. And, and I, I don't, won't even call it an interview because it was horrible. I mean, I would, I said, yeah, I would, was terrible. you didn't agree with the guy. Just let him speak. Just let him speak. I just want to hear what he has to say. You have him on, ask him the question. If he ducks the question, you didn't answer the question, move on to the next question. And that's what we do. And I, I agree with you. To, to, to do that, I think is always a complete mistake. Because even if there's things that Corey Grable has a stance or position on that we don't agree, I still feel that when you give someone the opportunity to speak and you actually listen, and I, I teach my kids that, you hear things, right? Just like we heard in the movie White Man Can't Jump, but you actually listen. You have to listen because there might be value in something that you're saying and you may learn something. Even if you don't agree, but you get an opportunity to learn someone else's perspective and see things from a different point of view. And that's the beauty of different ideals and different perspectives. And we need to take that stance. And I, and I agree with you. If we had Mayor de Blasio here, former Mayor de Blasio, if we had Mayor Adams here, they would be given the same opportunity and the same respect. And that's why I always say, you do not have to respect everyone, but you sure as hell, you should show them respect. And that's what we're going to do here on this podcast. That's why we're giving Pat Lynch an opportunity to come on this podcast, come on the show. He already knows the questions. I'm sure he watched the podcast. He's going to get the same set of questions as Corey Grable. So he's, he should be already be prepared. He's not going to be attacked. But at the same token, we will be honest and we will give our opinions and our, our perspectives based on our experience as well. So, John, let, why don't we talk about the attacks that we've been getting uh, uh, on the PBA, or maybe we want to save that for later because I'm excited to talk about that. Why don't we? Why don't we go on? Uh, what, 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 what did you like about what Corey said? Like, what, what part of Corey like did, did you like? Like, what things did he say that resonated with you that you think were good? Well, I do like the fact that he wants to implement some type of financial seminars or some financial learning. For PBA members, PBA members, so they have a better understanding of their pension, and not only their pension. He was talking about the 457, the 401k, so they understand compound interest. I think that's extremely important. That's something that I always, I want to teach my own kids. That's something I think that should be taught in schools. This is something. It's a, this is a key link that we're missing in, in in our lives, because most of us, even myself, when I got on this job, it was early. And I was 24 years old. I didn't foresee my pension. I didn't foresee what what's going to be 20, 20 years moving on. You don't see the dynamics of that. So I never really understood it. As time went on 
and I saw the reality and I could see my own mortality that one day I'm not going to be around. I have to, I have to preserve a life for my kids, for my family. And I started to delve and started to read books and learn the financial aspects of our pension system. And that's where I started to get to see the dichotomy between tier three and tier two. And I realized how scary it was. It started to understand my own pension. So the idea that he wants some type of financial literacy for the men and women, I think is a great opportunity. Uh, I hope, you know, if he becomes the PBA president or someone else, I hope that they heard that and they take that opportunity and create something with that window. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think I, I think a lot of the, the stuff I liked is, is stuff like that, where he said, oh, you know, Patty's been in it for 23 years. It's time for a fresh perspective. Um, I do think a lot of those things do need to be worked out, you know, um, and I don't I don't know how much a union really wants us financial literate either is because, you know, that's a, that's a lot of the attacks I get is when I start going into the finances of the decisions they're making. Almost like when you sit down with a with a with a you with not even a used car deal, but you sit down at that with a car salesman, you're going to buy a car and they're showing you the same numbers 18 different ways and none of it makes sense. You know, and when you when you have an understanding and a basis of how much things should cost and how and how economics works, you're going to have a lot more questions. You're not going to be an easy sell on things. Uh, but I do think that for the betterment of the men and women, I did definitely agreed with him on that. There needs to be a fresh perspective. I, you know, I, and, and I'll even say even if I, I, I think, you know, you know. I think after 23 years, it's 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 time for a change. However, I'm not going to sit there and say just vote for someone because you need change. You you, you know, I'm I'm always like you should either you should vote for who who you believe is the best candidate. You know, um, I, I wouldn't just vote to hey hey hey, hey, hey you know it, it can't be worse. It can't be it can't be this. What didn't you like about what he said? I'm glad you asked that, right? So we have to be honest. The things that we like, what we don't like. So the part that I don't like, because I think that there's a contrast and a contradiction of what he's saying. Because he said that he wants financial planning, some type of financial seminar, financial literacy for the cops, which I totally agree with. But then when it came time to talk about the contracts, at first, I mean, there was there was a little bit of change, which I, which I do like, the fact that he's... He's, uh, you can actually talk to him. He he's does seem approachable and willing to change his mind based on different perspectives. Yeah. And, and, and initially, his stance was he would never take a zero. Now, to me, that doesn't coincide with the financial planning because it's my opinion that when we go to PERB, we're spending a dollar to make a quarter. And sometimes, I'm not saying we should take a zero every year, but sometimes that may the, be the best thing on the table to take a zero to not spend $200 in health and welfare. Because if we take 1% or 2%, we're pay, paying out the nose when it comes to health and welfare. Are we really making more money? Not necessarily. And we also have to think about compound interest and we lose in that. So that's where I, did, I didn't like that contrast and that contradiction. No, I agree. I didn't, I didn't like the fact that he said that that going to perv was a good strategy, and that and that Patty did good on that. When we when I when we asked, I, think I asked him what what do you think Pat Lynch did good, and I think that was his biggest failure. I think that like with the pay disparity in the NYPD compared to other agencies in New York and New York State, excuse me, 
are is so great because we went to purple those times you know we should have been up to date on our contract if we would have took those those little numbers saying i'll never take a zero with three months of zeros is a dishonest conversation you know it's it's you know it's it really is a dishonest conversation and if you're looking at that dc 37 um thing and going oh yeah it's great it looks good to me right it looks good to me but i just gotta remind you you still haven't settled you're bargaining for numbers that are all the way back there your those numbers do not apply to you so and 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 again you're you're getting the 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 wool pulled over your eyes again um, it has nothing to do with those numbers have nothing to do with perb or arbitration, the, the arbitrator. They're not waiting for those numbers for you. You're bargaining on, on the, on the last year numbers. You can never set the pattern. You, you can never break the pattern. You can only set the pattern. Uh, other, uh, we, we don't piggyback off of other unions, other unions piggyback off of us. So we go in first, we set the pattern and it hasn't been done. And this is now the fifth time in PERB, and it hasn't been done. So that those DC 37 numbers look great. And I'm sure the LBA, the DEA, and the SBA are going to jump all over them, and the DEA, and they're going to settle their contract real quick. And they're going to be up to date on their numbers. And you're going to be probably another six years out from ever seeing those DC 37 numbers because there's another three months and zeros in there. And Patty doesn't take a zero. And Corey said that he agrees with not taking a zero. And he also made the statement. Oh, taking a zero could be political suicide. You know, and, did say and, that, and you know, and to me, I'm like, well, if you're in it for the right reasons, you really shouldn't worry about what 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 the politics of, of the decision is because the truth will always come out, and and that's that's what you really need to to focus on. Well, I agree. We're talking about political suicide and being in being in it for the right reasons. So that's why I, I'm. Listen, I understand Pat Lynch, the time that he came in, the big discussion was the zeros for heroes. But times change, things evolve. Here we are 23 years later as the PBA president. If he really cared about the men and women, he should come out and publicly say that, hey, I've been in this position for 23 years. Give us your stance of why you believe it's you who should continue. Along with that, what he should say is, if I am not elected, I would be proud to show the new candidate, the new PBA president-elect, the ropes. I want to assist them in helping the men and women, what I've learned and all the information I've garnered along the way. I'll help him him or her succeed so that this is still has a financial uh, a sufficient amount in the bank that our members can succeed. But, again, we haven't heard that yet. So that's, to me... It's unfortunate that he talks about political suicide. There shouldn't be politics when we talk about a union. I mean, if Jimmy Hoffa could hear this, wherever the hell he is, he'd be rolling over in his grave. The job of the union is supposed to fight tooth and nail and not supposed to bend for politics. He should, at some point, stand up and say, it's time for me to pass the torch. And along with passing the torch, I'm going to give the information that I have, the valuable jewels, so that the next person can climb to the next ladder and succeed with the men and women of the New York City PBA. That's my stance on it. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> I, 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 like, I'm not. I don't think that that Patty should lay down. I don't think if you think you're the best man for the job that you would lay down. But you shouldn't be attacking your opponent either. But I mean, from what I saw and what I heard is, you know, it's a very similar platform to Pat Lynch. You know, 
it's a very <laughs> similar platform, especially when we get to the vax mandate, you know, because I, I was very highly disappointed in, in, in what I heard. Um, and I do believe, you know, you he did at one point, he made the statement, oh, I was getting my teeth kicked in. You know, you 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 ran. You wanted to get elected. You wanted to be in that spot to represent cops when there's issues when it comes to labor disputes. This is the biggest labor dispute in in a, in a hundred year history. You know, in in our in our lifetime, this will have been the biggest labor dispute ever. This will go down in the history books for labor. I mean, and I, and I made this statement before. There's the religious aspect of it where they violated your constitution. They violated your First Amendment rights, your constitutional rights to religious freedom. Right. The other part of that is your medical freedom. Right. There were people that had allergies on this job where they had doctors that said they cannot take this shot. And the job overrode that. There had people like myself who had antibodies who got who contracted COVID-19 in the line of duty or didn't or maybe not in the line of duty. But you contracted COVID-19 and you had the antibodies. And here we are today. And we know that the antibodies are just as effective as as the vaccine as per the lancet i'll make the case in my opinion i believe they're more effective because i've only had it once so i mean and all everyone i know that's vaccinated had had it multiple times um and and then the, the third part of it which is really a part that never gets talked about is and the city openly admitted it they violated all of our contracts we didn't come on this job saying that oh you could just tell me to put something in my body no they could they could they make it a condition of employment going forward? Yeah, but we were grandfathered in. And and what's being done about that? What's being done? Like, did you hear anything being done about that? No, I, it's funny you say you mentioned the medical and religious, but I believe there's another caption should be labeled as other. Because I mean, like some of the cops we, we spoke to, um, I, I think it was Christopher Messina, right? One one of the yeah. cops we interviewed, he just didn't want to take it. So there is medical, there is religious, and I agree with that. There should be an other caption where you just legitimately just don't want it. And you shouldn't have to explain why you don't want it. You just made the decision. You just don't want to inject yourself with something that you don't know the complete science on. And at that point, you don't agree with it. Yeah. Now, I do understand, as a condition of employment, if you're getting on the job, and that's a condition of employment to take that shot, well, you haven't been on the job yet. So I agree with you. We should be grandfathered in. It's a completely different story. Upon hiring... As a new recruit, a new candidate, that's a different story. There's a total dichotomy between that if you're already on the job. There should be medical, there should be religious, and there should be other. And I, I was that's the part, that's another factor, another contributing factor. So I would say definitely first the financial planning. I wasn't uh, satisfied with uh, Corey Gribble's response about the vaccine. Also, when it comes to economics, we talked about, we asked Corey Grable, you know, I, I remember I asked him personally, you know, does he think that the PBA would support their members by actually assisting them financially in filing those Article 78s? And uh, at the time, he said, well, we didn't have a crystal ball and no one knew where this was going. And he doesn't know if, how they would allocate those funds. So I always say as a, a financial analyst, which I like to call myself because I read so many books, you know, with my own economics, we shouldn't be asking, we shouldn't be saying we can't afford something. What I do expect from a PBA president or a PBA president-elect, we should be saying, how can we afford this? That should be the ultimate goal, is how can we get this done for our members? Not say, well, we can't do it. How can we do it? That's how we represent our members. You know, I agree with you. I just want to add one more point, John. I totally agree with you. 
Pat Lynch should not be a welcome man. Yes. But at the same token, if he really cares about his people, he has to admit with 23 years in, at some point, not necessarily that the next person could be better, but could be better suited for the times we in. I have put out a tweet. Pat Lynch was a cop a long time ago. And arguably, I'm, I'm sorry, he was a police officer. Because we could argue that because he doesn't have much of an arrest record. But he wore a uniform at a time where they had no tasers for a cop. There was no body cameras. They didn't carry cell phones, department cell phones. They didn't have business cards. So at this point, how can he relate to the modern era cop that we speak of today? With a diaphragm law. With bail reform. With all the new legislative acts. And post-George Floyd. Something his boots have not felt on the ground. That goes back to what I said, the Dunning-Kruger effect. The least you do it, the more you can understand it. And he hasn't done it at this point. Absolutely, he hasn't done it. I mean, but going back to, to the vaccine, though, I mean, he failed. I mean, I mean, he as as a, as a representative, and and I'm not just knocking Pat Lynch. That goes for every union president and every executive board of every agency in New York City. Everybody was scared. Everybody <laughs> just had that conversation with their doctor. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. Everybody was dead silent. I don't like it. I didn't like the response of that we didn't know how to pay for it because I, I labeled out things like, I mean, look, look, look at this podcast, for example. Look at my social media. I, I got on social media last year. Like, I, I literally, I'm probably on about a year now. Um, and this podcast, October, I, I, I don't even know. It's just a few months. You know what I mean? It's, it's it. to the roof. The union has hundreds of thousands of people. They have media contacts. How much could they have done just to just to put out a tweet? Hey, look, this guy's getting fired because he doesn't want to take a vaccine. Look, this guy's getting forced to retire because he doesn't want to take a vaccine. Look at all of our officers that we're losing. It could have been tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet after after news conference after news conference, and they didn't do anything. No, so and the P and, and since we're talking about the PBA, I'm going to say specifically the PBA did not do anything. And and there was a time frame. I'm a trustee for the National Coalition of Frontline Workers. Um, I'm uh, one of one of the guys that I do it with, Jason Collins, in contact with the Iron Siri firm. Iron Siri firm said, "Hey, listen, we got some funding. If you if you know if you could introduce us to some cops, you know, we'll uh, we'll." Uh, you know, we'll do pro bono article, article 78s for them. Now I was already past the time of doing article 78s, but I was like, out of the goodness of my own heart, I'm like, I, I'm like, you know what, let me see what I could do. I send it out on social media. Anybody, you know, it had to fit certain criteria and you had to be in a certain time frame. So I put the criteria out, whatever it was, and I sent it out and I fielded and I sent over all these things to put, to make the contacts for free article 78 representation. I asked every police union, retweet it for me they couldn't press a fucking button and that was free and it wouldn't cost them a dollar wait they couldn't just make a fake account and they just put a tweet out about it i mean i've seen those before lately i've seen a lot of them <laughs> no absolutely and then and then and then the, the uh, my other thing that really bothered me was the response about oh just come back and fight it you know just come back and fight it and i you know I, again I'm not just coming back and signing a waiver to waive my 
to waive my right to back pay because obviously you're entitled to it or else they wouldn't ask you to waive for it and then waive my waive my civil service rights which i don't know the implications of that and the union doesn't know the implications of that so for anyone in the union to be telling you that that's a big big problem of mine and and my other factor is that it's at the discretion of the agency to take you back you did you guys didn't do anything wrong they did something wrong they're the ones that need to make you whole and here we go again we just have here they go here you go mayor adams <laughs> now like i don't care you know Corey said oh i know eric he was a transit cop i was a transit cop i don't care if he has a close personal relationship with him if it's a distance relationship in my opinion from hearing that interview i mean i don't hear much of a difference from pat lynch pat lynch <laughs> with Eric Adams himself. You know, to me, it's two liberal Democrats who are both police officers running for PBA president who have close ties to the mayor. In that aspect, and when you go on to the vaccine mandate and you go on to the contract itself, they have the same exact stance. No, I agree. From from the stuff that we heard, it definitely sounded like it mirrored each other, which makes sense. I mean, Corey Grable, uh, he's been in the union a long time. And he's been under the Pat Lynch administration. So that's the stuff that he learned. And we understand that. So that's why I was curious when he did say that it's time for change, what his actual changes would be. So we did hear about the financial planning of the seminar, which I think is great. But that's just a, a, a small minutia fact. There's a lot more groundwork that we need to discuss on how we're going to get to the point of actual change, of a complete solution. Because I think it's important. I always use this... Uh, this analogy, and when I tell cops, when they tell me if they're ready to retire or not, well, I say, well, it's not, it's, it's not important in life, but how much you make when it comes to money, it's how much you keep. So if you're in a position where you have a better chart and you have less commutes to work and you have a substantial salary and you have things that give you better morale, well, that might be more than actually getting a bigger salary. I mean, a complete uh, bigger salary. So we have to look at the whole package. Your work hours, that's extremely important. Do you have enough time to spend with your family? Do you have less commutes? As we know, some cops, they commute an hour and a half to work, some even two hours that live in the Bronx and they work to the furthest tip upstate, almost in Pennsylvania. So they have two hours to commute to work to and from after working a long day. So it's not just about how much money you make, it's how much you keep. How much taxes are you paying? How much are going to union dues? How much are actually, how much is actually going into your 401k, your 457? Are we matching it? Could the PBA come out with some type of plan that's invested that they could help contribute more into your 401k? I mean, these are other factors that could be explored, but we don't hear it. All we hear is about contract talk, about PERB, which is a two-year deal. And it just leaves these men always short. It's almost like they're at the bottom of the pool and they can only get their head a little bit above water and boom, we push them right back down. And that's what I feel this is like. The cops are drowning. They're drowning in bills. They can't afford to buy the house they want. If they want to buy a house, they end up going to work by two hours of commuting. I mean, I don't even know how people even afford to live on Staten Island anymore with the tolls, especially if you're a, if you're a cop and you reside in Staten Island and you live off the island. The amount that you're paying in tolls and sitting in traffic, how frustrating and taxing that may be on your body just getting to work. 
it's completely substantial. These are things that have to be addressed. Yeah, and and the other thing that I I think they're very similar on is CCRB. They they in my opinion, neither of them have a stance on it at all on the disciplinary matrix at all. It's just same thing as the vaccine mandate is what it is. You know that's what they're giving you. Just just do it. You know and. I mean, to me, I, I was hoping to see some like fresh blood in there. I didn't see it at all. You know, to me, you know, it's it's the same administration over, you know. Um, I, I didn't I didn't see that. You know, I, I get what he's saying, get new eyes on it, and hundred percent I think some of the things he said were refreshing, but I think more often than none, it was just refreshing to hear someone else express their ideas about the union because you've been kept in the dark for twenty three years and treated like a mushroom. And fed shit, like I keep telling you. And that goes for all of us. You know, I mean, I don't know. How do you become a member of the executive board in the PD? How do you become a member of the executive board in the SBA? How do you become a member? I, I don't know. I don't know. LBA, none of I wish I knowing what I know now, I think I should have learned and I I would have I would have I would have definitely made some waves. But it is what it is. Um what it is. And I know you too, Eric. I know you were a delegate. I'm sure you didn't really know, you know, I'm sure you really didn't know like the, the inner workings of the union. I mean, and it's being done on purpose. Like we're, we're, we're out of these discussions. We're out of these talks. And what Corey did say was that they should have been at the table when that disciplinary matrix was being discussed. But, but going back to that, is Pat Lynch being at that table effective? <laughs> is it more effective than having Eric Dim sitting at that table or somebody who's out on the street currently? who's up to date on the new era of policing. So I do believe he, he would have a big problem. And so would his entire board, um, you know, they wouldn't even know what's going on or the language or the pressures these cops are under. Well, I, I gotta be honest. I think this solidifies what I've been saying about being able to compare yourself to the modern day cop because CCRB, I can tell you this, <clears throat> when I initially came on the job, the first couple of years, I, like I said, I, up to 2018, I had said this on an earlier podcast, I really didn't have that many civilian complaints considering the type of work I did with the New York City Police Department, being a crime cop, being a crime sergeant, and a special operations lieutenant. I mean, I even had a, I had a three-year period with no CCRBs at all. And, and when I did get CCRBs, the climate was different. The way I was treated during these investigations was much different. And... And for the most time, most most of the part, when I walked out, I felt confident because I know I did the right thing. That because I explained it appropriately and I could actually show the justification for the actions I took, I was confident that I would be judged fairly. But from 2018 up to the point where I retired, I didn't feel that. I could feel the sentiment. It felt completely different. When I went for a civilian complaint interview, at that point it became a scary thing. Even though I was knowledgeable and I knew I could defend myself, I knew that I was fighting a battle that I couldn't win because, and, and John, you and I talked about this offline. I remember the vice president of the LBA, which happens to be a nice guy, but he told me after an interview that I had, which I thought went completely well, and he said the same thing. But because it was post-George Floyd, he said, you're probably going to get charges. And you and I spoke about this. And you know what? Now I think about it. How did he know that? They obviously all spoke about this. They knew what was going on with CCRB. And they really did not fight for us. And they still aren't. That's what we need right now. We need a PBA president that could understand the nomenclature, the nature of CCRB and where it's at right now. 
They should have been at that meeting with you and I to understand what's going on, these monthly meetings, that anti-police sentiment, and actually hear the guest speakers of what's spewing out of their mouths and how CCRB was enabling them to make frivolous complaints. No, absolutely. There should be representation that the union should be there and know what they're up against. Right. And obviously they're not concerned with it because they themselves do not deal with it. You know, pinky rings and suits don't get CCRBs. You know, they get they get, <laughs> get blockages in their heart from eating steak over and over and over again, you know, every day. You know? So uh, but uh, and then, then they get themselves three quarters to, to that. They'll, they'll all get hurt. with never doing a stitch of police work. But that's that's neither here or there. But uh but going back to the the meeting now, um, the, the 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 delegate meeting in, in October, we've been getting a ton of flack for that because supposedly we're we're siding, we're siding, we're taking the side of the kid that's running for trustee. Um, Eric, are you siding with anyone in your opinion? Like, what's your overall on that on that scenario? Oh, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm not taking any sides. I actually, I. I one of my tweets today was response to one of these fake trolling accounts from the PBA who've been attacking us because they have no baseless argument. And I don't even know why they're arguing. Because at this podcast, we're not arguing with anyone. We're just trying to seek out the truth. We want what's best for the members. They should want what's best for the members. That's the funny part. So they asked, they, you know, they actually, at some point, I don't know if they're bipolar because they were attacking me, but then one of their fake accounts, uh, Cops for Lawyers or whatever it was, said, you know, I'm on your side, but you're, you're taking. They told me I'm taking the wrong. I'm standing on the wrong side. We're not standing on any side. John and I are standing on top of the mountain, and we're looking down at what's right and wrong and what's best for the members. And we don't see it. When we see something good, we'll call it out. But we need to see what's best for the members. And what we saw at that PBA meeting, I'm sorry, not what we saw, but what we heard, is not good for the members. What we heard shows a lack of integrity. Shows a lack of a, a prof- it shows unprofessionalism. It just shows a lack of care for the actual union, and it is about politics. When Corey Grable said political suicide, they may know it's about politics. Um, and listen, I don't know that person. Uh, I don't know. It was an Anthony Gambino. His name is. I don't know him personally, but I'll tell you this: he is a fellow Marine, so I want to give him the benefit of doubt, and he should be given the benefit of doubt. But you said this, John. I agree 100. percent If he committed a crime, he should be locked up and arrested and processed. End of story. Removed from the PBA, but you brought it up. I want to give you the opportunity to talk about it, but the integrity issues that are there, that's the part that we could not negate from. Uh, yeah. It, like, so first off, if there was a crime committed, if there was a crime committed, I would, I would think that a union that's sole purpose is to represent the membership would want due process for their member, right? Good point, yeah. But we didn't see that. We seen him get called a perp, and they went into his mind frame and found him guilty. They knowingly know what he did. They know it wasn't a mistake, right? They know it wasn't a mistake. But they didn't know that in September because they let him pay it back. If they felt that there was an, like I said, there's an integrity issue, however you wrap this thing up to me, the entire board of the PBI should step down. However you wrap it up to me, there's no integrity in it. So, and this is my take on it. And you guys could feel free to come on and debunk this. I know that you'll come on my social media, but here's my take on it. 
something happened in September, right in the beginning of September, by the way, because you had a function when everybody else was out at the Labor Day parade working okay. the day weekend. You guys were upstate at a convention. So at that convention in the beginning of September, supposedly this kid tried to cash a check on his mobile app. Four he, checks. Four checks. Four checks. Four checks. So he says he didn't think he went through and he cashed it out of table. Now, I'm just saying, <laughs> if he knowingly did something and that is a crime and that is proven, I don't know how you're proving that. I don't. I just don't know how you're proving the intent there. But if it is proven somehow, because in the in the world of politics, things get proven somehow, then he should be locked up. But the PBA board should still step down because they exhibited no integrity because they didn't either. Either they told, they reported it immediately to IAB, and if they did. Why would they let him reimburse the money? Why would they call him and tell him, oh, I'll give the money back? So I don't believe that they reported it. So they failed to report the IAB. But if they did report the IAB, if they did report the IAB, and now we fast forward and we're here in February, and they call this kid out on the stage and there's an open IAB investigation. They just interfered with an open investigation. They just did that, right? And why they do that for political gain? If they didn't report it, they failed to report it, and now they're talking about it because, again, the political game. Another integrity issue. So you failed to report the IAB, and again, you interfered in an investigation because you allowed him to pay back. There's a lot of stuff here, and you tampered with evidence. There's a lot of different things here that they could hold themselves criminally liable for themselves. So overall, what I'm saying is the integrity – in that union is very questionable to me at that point. It's very questionable listening and listening to that tape. <clears throat> how they brought that kid up there to berate him and, and, and create this hostile environment where potentially everybody that sat in that room could get jammed up. Everybody. Absolutely. And, that, and that's why, listen, I, I you know, I understand Corey Grable's position. I think he was extremely professional. He doesn't want to say anything bad about Pat Lynch. He was under that administration for many, many years. Obviously, he has a, a, you know, a grand respect for Pat Lynch. And I understand that. But he did say in that interview that he didn't want anyone to get hurt. Which leads me to believe that there was a lot more that MCI that actually went down in that meeting. So, not only did the PBA board, I'm sorry, the PBA board show a lack of integrity, but if there is some type of corru corruption. Everyone is a mandated reporter. There's no strongly encouraged. This is not an OEEO. Everyone is mandated to report corruption. So from the time of September up till this meeting, everyone who knew about it that just stood by idle is impeding this investigation, is standing by, failing to notify internal affairs. Everyone is involved. This entire administration, if that's the case, if they fail to notify, if they fail to take action in reporting corruption, the entire administration needs to be teared down and we need to rebuild and start from scratch because we show a lack of integrity from the core and it needs to be completely ripped out and start all over again. So, you know, I was met with some attacks today on, on, on Twitter and some of the questions were, well, how do you know it wasn't reported already? Or, you know, it looked like they were fishing to see what I think and look for approval. But it doesn't matter at this point. At this point, now it's all questionable. 
and let internal affairs is going to uh, investigate it. And I, I don't know, maybe Pat Lynch has some clout with the internal affairs that uh, he's able to get away with this in his administration. Well, if that's the case, then the internal affairs, they lack integrity as well. Because it's time to show transparency through the entire police department. And let's 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 look through the politics and actually let's identify the truth in this case. And no matter what, if this kid was corrupt or not, the way they handled it was completely inappropriate. And like you said, they put everyone at that meeting at risk and embarrassed the entire organization. A hundred percent. And from where I'm sitting, from where I'm sitting, I think he's the only, he's like, he's the X factor that was like, whatever happened here does not relate to what should have happened. Whatever that kid did, whether it, whether it was an accident or on purpose, it, it almost got negated out now. It's, it's, it's negated out by all the lack of integrity that followed after it. And I'm not saying that if he stole, he shouldn't, he shouldn't face the consequences. Absolutely, he should. But the way that it, the way that it was brought out, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. We, you know, me and Eric, you know, we, we were around. We, we made a few arrests. I mean, I, I you know, and I've seen cops get arrested. And it's been done very quietly. Would never have been done for people to 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 continue to berate somebody. So it was. But again, maybe not having done police work in your career, you can't understand what what that is. You know. So I mean. So I don't think that we. I don't think that we we endorsed anyone. That we favor any side. We're just saying what happened that day was should, should have never happened. Well, apparently, according to the PBA and the way you and I have been attacked, that is the perception that if we give an open platform, if anyone is allowed to speak about how they would handle the New York City PBA, well, that means that we're endorsing them. And that's said because the PBA administration right now under Pat Lynch is just a complete mob. They're monopolizing the PBA, and they don't want anyone to speak because they don't want anyone to expose the truth, right? No organization is impervious. And John, you and I know we spoke about this. No one expects Pat Lynch and his administration to be absolutely perfect. You say it all the time. You know, we shouldn't expect to be the perfect cop. As time goes on, they learn, they become better up. But this is the fifth time that they went to perm. I mean, how many times is it going to take to learn that, hey, this is just not working, that the cops are still behind the eight ball? I can understand. All right, they went to perm the first time, maybe the second time. But here we are. This is the fifth time in 23 year period. It's not gaining any better results. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results. And I think that's what we get. We get the same results. We're getting a two-year deal. And again, these guys are going to be five years behind the eight ball, and they're struggling. They're not catching up. And eventually, I do think that the knock is going to come on the door for health and welfare, no matter what. If they get zeros or they get ten, they're coming for health and welfare. It's, 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 the, it's the new way. It's the new way the pension systems are run. Health and welfare – it's a huge issue. Yeah, I mean, and, and people always ask, right? Oh, what do you guys care? You're a lieutenant. You're this, you're that. Why do I care? Because it directly affects me. It affects probably more than it affects you guys, you know? Um, and, and, I don't, and I don't believe that these unions are capable of protecting anything at this point. We're seeing how they're negotiating, seeing how they're handling. I mean, they're very intimidated about this podcast because we have pulled the curtain back and have brought in the light and we're saying a lot of things that nobody's ever said before and people are hearing things they never heard before 
And it's, and you know, we've always been kept separated and in the dark, especially, and you've seen it, it the, the best time period example is that is for the vaccine mandate, right? Everybody felt on an island their own. They didn't know how many people there were. You didn't know how many people across the city. And our unions, if they were true unions and true representations, they would have joined us and brought us all together. But we did that ourselves organically. And, you know, we created platforms like this and um, media personalities and Bravest for Choice and a million, a million different organizations that have led from behind. We have led the unions from behind. Because I could show you word for word tweets that I have put out that unions, all the police unions, have copied my tweets word for word <laughs> hours later. I could show you. I have, I have, I have months worth of it. Um, and that's what we're doing right here. We're leading from behind. You guys need to lead behind. You need to put. You need to put their feet to the fire. They need to answer questions. Oh, it's a good deal. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm hearing a lot of nonsense. A lot, a lot of stuff going on with the delegates. There's a lot of Corey Grable's not allowed to speak in commands. And guys wanted to hear him. So we gave him that opportunity. Um, and I will give him that opportunity again. And Absolutely. Again, and, I, and, and again, where's Pat Lynch? Why doesn't he want to speak to you? Why is he afraid to answer a question about the vaccine mandate? We're not, I'm not going to beat him up over it. I'm not going to ask him about Kathy Holchill. I don't care. It's already done. He already did it. It's indefensible to me. I don't care. I don't need to beat him up. I don't. Oh, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? He wants to talk about it. He can talk about it. But, but I'm not going to ask him about it. Those were the questions that those were the questions that were presented. Why would he be scared to do that? I'm actually glad that you said that because that's the that's the perception. And you know what? At this point, John, you probably agree that the PBA board, the members that have been trolling us, I I do believe that in their hearts, they believe that they're doing the right thing. And they're fighting for their administration. And they believe that we're attacking them by asking questions. Because how dare you ask what's Patty in this administration doing? Everything we do is great. You know, it's always a good deal. But you should be proud of your stance. You should want your members to ask questions. That's the beauty. They should be. You should be approachable. You should be accessible. You work for them. We should be able to ask questions. And Patty Lynch should want to come on this show and embrace this and give an opportunity to, hey, here's two lieutenants that have experience on the job that want to represent the members and help them. I have an opportunity to speak about my platform going forward and get an opportunity to explain why this contract is good. Why is it good to go to PERP even a fifth time? Why do we have to wait for DC 37? Or at least why do you feel that way? Is this chart that we talk about, is it actually on the table? Or is this just a fictitious thing that just, you know, is this a man with a cape that we're never going to see? These are questions. These are questions that should be answered. And that's why I say, Corey Grable, I respect him. No matter what, he saw the opportunity. He took it. And I think he's a genuinely nice guy. Maybe, you know, I do think based on stuff that he said, they do think that he'd be willing to listen to other ideals and possibly change his mindset on stuff. I do think that the bedrock and the foundation of his platform is definitely mirrors Pat Lynch, but I, I do think that uh, I do think that he can be worked with. And he seems like a, just generally uh, a good guy, you know, a good person. Uh, but I, I hope that he, he could be a good leader if he's in that position. Again, I'm not endorsing anybody. I, I just want to help, and I know you want the same, and we want what's best. And, and I do believe these PBA members think that by attacking us, it's the best thing for their administration. But we're just trying to help, and it's 
it's almost like biting the hand that feeds you. We're here. You know, I get texts all day. I know you do about cops. Thank you for helping us. And we appreciate the support. That's what we're doing, supporting the men and women. Yeah, and that's what I mean by lead from behind. I mean, listen, these guys are vying for your vote. Why should they get it if you don't like something they're saying? Go approach them and be like, listen, if you want my vote, this is what I think we should do. What are you willing to do? And maybe you guys can meet somewhere in the middle. And now you know who you're going to vote for, right? But staying silent, not debating, is, I mean, it's it's really indefensible to me. I you know, And again, as much as we're not endorsing anybody, Corey Grable's transparent. He came on this podcast. He sat down for two and a half hours. With, with, and especially he knows me well. He knows my politics do not align basically the whole job. And I don't align with the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. So he knows that's a hard issue. And then he's sitting down with the most complaint cop in, in NYPD. He knows where he's going. He knows where he's going to go to CCRB. He's, he's going, I'm going after the VAX mandate. I'm going after the contract. Eric's going after CCRB. And he sat down and he sat here like a gentleman for two hours. He was transparent. He what I see is Pat Lynch isn't. I do agree with you, Eric. I do agree with you, however. I do see a lot of similarities in the mindset, you know? And, and that is one of the big knocks I hear from everybody. Oh, well, he's been in the union forever, too. I get it. So, but that's why I'm saying you guys go out, lead from behind, go lobby Pat Lynch, go lobby Corey Grable, get what you want. But uh, I definitely want to talk about the fact I put out a tweet today and I said, I said if the police unions in the NYPD worked as hard for us as they did at making fake Instagram and Twitter accounts to, to attack me and Eric and this podcast, I'm, we wouldn't have any of these issues. CCR would be <laughs> max mandate would have never happened, and you'd all be up to date on your contract because I, and and it's a real telltale of the unraveling of what is going on in New York City in this union representation, and it really makes me question: Are they representing you, or are they representing whoever the mayor is, whether it be a Republican or a Democrat? Currently, it's it's a far left progressive, and Eric Adams. I think it's a fantastic question, and I think it's not just the PVA. I think it's every union right now. We need to ask those questions about every union right now. Are they representing members, or are they trying to side with the mayor? And that was not the purpose of the union. The purpose of the union was to fight for the members. And if it's about being liked by the mayor and getting political gain, well, these aren't the right people for you. And I can tell you, towards the end of my career, the end of my tenure, I knew CCRB inside and out. I was the target of an overzealous civilian complaint review board. In the LBA, you know, they claimed that they were fighting for me for these civilian complaints, and they understood the position that I was in. But they didn't trust their members because I was never given an opportunity to give a rebuttal and speak. You know, I told Lou Turco numerous times, I said, I want to have an opportunity to speak on my behalf, to represent the members, to talk about it, because I'm in that position. Lou, I understand you're the LBA president, but you haven't been in the position that I am. I'm the one that's riding the horse right now for the civilian complaints. I'm the one that's taking on, you know, taking the fire. So I need to speak to the members. I want to speak to the public. But all I was, I was shushed and I was told, ah, don't worry, it's going to go away. You know, you'll get a good pension. You're going to get a lot of money. You know, you'll be happy. But to me, that's not happiness. I, I'm sorry. I don't measure my life. Just by wealth. I could have stayed on the job. I was off at Intel. I was off at the squad. I could have hit out. 
I could have made a lot more money if I stayed on the job and had a bigger pension. But to me, I might have less financially, but I'm rich in happiness. I'm rich in expression. I want to have an opportunity to take this path. I want to speak out. And that's why I'm doing it right now. We need people that understand this. I understand that civilian complaint review board inside and out. And along with that, the discipline matrix. So that's why I, you know, I asked uh, Corey Grable about the discipline matrix. I understand that he's aware of it, but I, I know that I'm confident he has not dealt into the intricacies as we have on this podcast. And that discipline, disciplinary matrix needs to be explored. Every cop that's on the job needs to take the opportunity to actually read it, dissect it, and break it down. John, you know what I talked about? You talked about online. You said, hey, before I spoke about it, you read it, but you never really broke it down and got to, you know, to the, the minutiae the details. When you start to learn the details of this document, you realize how scary it is. Why, are, why aren't the PBA members making tweets about the, this disciplinary matrix? Why are they attacking Shay for actually allowing this indoctrination to go on? to change the name, the, the nomenclature of the police department, to give it away, to sell the, the department away to the anti-police advocates? Because, again, that's that's the question on my mind. I mean, if you right. want to say, are they working for me or are they working for the city? I mean, I, I think history history tells, tells a very, very pointed tale. And what you're going to see is they're working hand in hand. Again, why aren't they doing what it, me and Eric doing? Why were me and Eric the first person that spoke about out the disciplinary matrix, right? Eric wanted to speak out. He wanted to say what was happening to him at the CCRB. He had one, only one place to go. New York's finest, retired and unfiltered podcast, baby. You know, and that's what we're doing here where we are, you know, we're, we're pulling the curtain back. We're pulling the curtain back and we're having real talk, real discussion from real people because we're the people that matter. And we are the experts like Eric show 265 Police Live. We are the experts. We have done this job, and it's all of us, not your union who's been sitting up there with their pinky ring and the guy who's walking around the aisle now like he's a tough guy when he was a zero cop and that crowd in the mic when he was a zero cop and the other guy that ran and retired during the summon scandal and waited for the investigation to be done, and then he came back. Now he holds a very high-ranking position. But he has plenty of time to be on Instagram all day, especially monitoring – my and Eric's account and commenting on everything, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I, I know a lot of you guys reach out to us, uh, just so you guys know, you know, a couple of my close friends reached out to me to see if I was okay. I just gotta let you guys know, I I'm laughing the whole way through, man. Like I'm not upset about any of this. They're not that I, I don't even know what, what, how you guys would ever get that impression of me. None of this is, uh, I don't take any of this personally. I understand those attacks are because we are opening the light and telling the truth is a scary thing. So people don't want to hear it. And that's what we're doing here. If, if we weren't on the target, we wouldn't be getting these attacks. I fully expect them. I fully expect more of them. I don't care. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't phase me at all. I've been getting called a wacko because I didn't take a vaccine that didn't work for a fucking year and a half. Yeah. I got to admit, I mean, throughout the day, if I need a good laugh, I, you know what? I, I, I looked at my phone. I'm like, where's that clown? Because that's who's trolling us. I'm like, right, what's the next response? And you know what? I got to thank him. Listen, Puglisi, thank you. I've been laughing. You know, I appreciate it. We appreciate the support. Thank you for being our number one fan. We really appreciate it. I love viewers. You know, listen, if they're not talking about you, they don't care about you. So I appreciate it. You motivate me. You motivate John to drive. 
push even harder to fight for our cops. Yeah. That's what you guys should be doing. When they're pushing you and they're attacking the PBA, you should be fighting for the members. If you feel that we're attacking you, which we're not, you should be out here publicly saying, hey, we're fighting for our members. This is what we're doing. Yeah. John and Eric said this, but this is what we're doing. Yeah. Well, show us. Listen, we're trying to help the members. I don't know why you don't like it. You don't want us to help your members. You're afraid that it's going to hurt you. It's about political gain. It's unfortunate, but it's not about the members. It's not. I mean, I mean, clearly we can see it. It's really sad. And I hope that the cops that are watching this start to understand that, hey, this is bigger than you. All right? This is about their political gain. How much money, you have to ask yourself, how much money are they actually making? I mean, Pat Lynch bragged about having $70 million in the bank. They started with $5 million 23 years ago. I mean, we should expect them to have at least $70 million. $70 million. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, they get an average of $1.6 to $2 million a month from their PBA members just in union dues alone. So how are we bringing that we have $70 million in the bank? We should have $140 million in the bank. No, absolutely. It's uh, it's. I don't know what I don't know what they're bragging about. I mean, because they're the ones that they're the ones that are commanding the high salary. The men and women are really that they're underpaid, man. They really are. They're they're very very underpaid. And uh, you know, just going back on the attacks, it's it's almost hysterical to me. All of them, like all of them, are it's it's so hysterical. Like I'm the ultimate troll. I troll Eric Adams. <laughs> Troll Justin Brennan. I troll these guys, but you know how I troll them? I just put a video of them talking. About it. You know, I troll. I troll Pat Lynch one day, but I put a video of him on Full Donahue, and they went. No, they didn't even say anything. I said, "Oh wow, look, we're just we're uh, we've just been looking. We've been facing these same years, the, the same the same problem with pay for twenty something years, and cops leaving for twenty something years, and they went nuts. You got to look look at the comments on that when I put that up." And, you know, that's what I do. I use their own words against them or I ask questions that they can't answer. Like when they tell me they believe in my body, my choice, and they believe in a woman's right to choose. I'm like, so then how do you how do you make good with that? You force a woman to stick something in her body to keep her job and feed her kids and keep health care. You know, that's how you troll someone. You know, I find it very, very funny that none of these attacks are about anything that me and Eric said. We've had hundreds of hours on interviews, on this podcast, on the news, uh, newspaper articles. And there hasn't been one attack because you guys don't have anything. And 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 it's and honestly, it's pathetic. It really is. It's it's pathetic because I could I, I guarantee if I look at some of this stuff, I could rip me and Eric apart. I guarantee it. Um, and, and you guys can't. You're pathetic. I don't know how you're representing the members of, of the New York City Police Department. You really should be searching your own soul. You really should be asking yourself, why two lieutenants who are unpaid are doing more and having more of an impact on this job than you with millions of dollars coming in with tons of media, with all of this stuff. Why have you not done anything? Why did, why did the key chancellor talk about looking at the disciplinary matrix? Why was that? I think that was about the unions are. Absolutely. Absolutely not. I mean, why have they stood up and actually and actually protested this disciplinary matrix. I mean, we only, we know she's only scratching the surface. 
the same thing I was told. I was told by the LBA that they would speak to the first step. And the first step, listen, he's in charge of disciplinary, and he's going to understand, wow, they got a lieutenant that's walking out the door because of a civilian complaint, civilian complaint review board that's overzealous. Because at the same time, it was getting the top evaluations from the police department. But when they spoke to him about having these cases dismissed or at least looking into it, he was frozen and said he couldn't do anything. Or at least that's what I was told. So what are these unions doing? The PBA should be screaming. You know what? They asked, why do we care? We care about the men and women because what goes on the PBA affects us all. Just as you said, the PBA should go in first. If the PBA goes in first, it's a dynamo effect. It affects everyone else and it affects us. It affects us in retirement. But we legitimately care what goes on with the men and women. I say this all the time and I legitimately believe this. We are all cops first. Some of us are just cops with rank. But the grassroots and the bedrock and the foundation of all of us, we're all cops, or at least we should be aspire to be cops. So why not? Why do we care about each other? And that's the part I don't understand about that attack, is they're asking, why do we care? And you said it, you said it right. Well, why don't you? Why don't you care? Instead of saying, hey, you know what? Why don't you say, well, these two lieutenants are really speaking out, trying to help these guys. What can we do better? How can we, how can we use this outside force to really help the members? But instead, they're attacking us because fear is taking over. And they're afraid somehow that we've threatened this administration because they think that we're endorsing Corey Grable. Well, we're not endorsing anyone. But giving Corey Grable an open platform, open platform, an opportunity to speak is not endorsing someone. But that's, a, that's the unfortunate part. In their minds, in their position, we are endorsing him by letting him speak. Yeah. And how many? And, and you know, what? I'll give another thing. How brave is Corey Grable? Because I'm pretty sure before he announced that he thought about that long and hard about what was going to happen to him that he was going to run against the kingpin you know and how many how many delegates are there scared that said oh i'm going to run but they're afraid how many guys are in the commands afraid how many the trustees are there they know something's wrong but they're afraid you know why oh cuz he's going to pull he's going to pull my appearances and i'm going to have to go back to the command and do police work I'm sorry if they're not, and you know what? That's it's pathetic, man. It really is. It's pathetic. You know, it, it's absolutely, absolutely pathetic. You're not in it for the representation. You're in it for the check, and and just know who you are. Like that's that's what that is. And you know, and and another thing, I, I keep every day. Why do you care? Why do you care? Somebody's got to. Somebody yeah. has to. Somebody has to. You know, because you obviously don't. None of you obviously do. You don't care about this plenary matrix. You don't care about the CCRP. You don't care about the VAX mandate. You don't care the fact that it's leading to the guys that were forced in, that were medically raped. You don't care about them either. They were medically raped. You don't care about the cops that were lied to because half this job coerced them. These, you don't care about the district surgeons treating people like shit when they actually get hurt. You don't care about anything that's going on, the progressive legislation coming down, the insanity that, that, that runs through the whole of city council. You don't care about any of it. Absolutely none of it. Nothing is said about anything. But you'll show up at the funeral. You'll, you'll give a nice speech when someone's shot. You'll show up at the hospital. I'm sick of watching people honor cops in death honor them in life and start giving a shit and that don't be mad because me and eric are making you look bad because you do nothing and we actually care like it's 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 horrible it really is it, it it's pathetic uh it's almost as pathetic as watching the entire upper echelon of the nypd oh not the entire but two chiefs in particular 
I'm going to take the Chiefs test for Long Island. Yeah. Well, honestly, uh, listen, they should give her, they should give Juanita Holmes the boot right now anyway. She shouldn't be going somewhere else as a chief. She should be out on her ass. Listen, she went to American Express. She was making 400000 a year. And within a couple of months, she was on her way back. Why? Because as far, you know, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, I've dealt with her numerous times in my career. I am not impressed. She's unintelligent. I, I don't know how she got to that point in her career. She's clearly, absolutely not a leader. She's a complete zero. She's a boob. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to pick on a woman. You know, and I was hoping because we should have some good professional classy women up in those ranks, but she's not. And I say she lacks class because she had Cardi B as a role model in the most precious areas of the New York City Police Department. A known gang member who self-admitted committed numerous crimes. And I take this personal because I took the time out in my career, and I still talk to some of these explorers from the NYPD, particularly PSA 7, who range from the age of 13 to 21. And I remember having young girls, and I gave them girl talk because I'm a father and how to be a lady, how to, you know, how to have men respect you, go out and get a career that you know you could do just as good as the men or even better. But apparently I wasn't good enough. Cardi B is giving girl talk to our Explorers at the 88 precinct. I'm curious to know how those parents feel about it. And Juanita Holmes is the one that allowed this, you know, this green into the New York City Police Department facilities. And what, what, a, what, a, what a double standard, right? To Sal Greco, who was terminated for having a friendship with Roger Stone, who was completely much more influential than Cardi B, and he was actually pardoned, which means exonerated, which means he does not have a criminal record. And Sergeant Dana Martillo, whose days should be reinstated. I hope she makes a lot of money. Sergeant Dana Martillo is the one that should be doing girl talk. She's a sergeant, and she stands for what's right. She lost 40 days for having a Trump patch. Obviously, she should be having a patch that should have said wet-ass pussy. And maybe if she would have had that patch, she wouldn't be in the position she is right now. So shame on you, Juanita Holmes. Go ahead. Go take the test. I don't know if you can read it and pass it anyway. So you're not going to be moving on to uh, to a Long Island Police Department. Time to retire, time to go. Yeah, no, it was definitely classless to have her there. What should have happened, though, with Cardi B is since she was up on her Twitter and her Instagram complaining that she was only there doing community service, now she had to do community service, they should have had her out there right by College Point. They should have had her on the street, across the street, picking up the garbage in the street, and they should have brought all the girls out and said, this is what happens when you assault people. You see Cardi B, even even, even, a, even a person that sits up on a pedestal that makes millions of dollars, that's famous. When you break the law, this is what happened because justice is blind. The scales are evenly weighted. They're not tipped in any direction. But what we showed, what we showed those kids and what we showed the world is that, no, celebrities get treated differently. When it's time for community service, all she has to do is show up, shake a butt, come up with her stupid long nails, and that's good, you know. Um, but I don't want to get too into it. We're gonna have, we're gonna have uh, Roger Stone and Sal Greco come on. I want to hear their take on it because obviously there was an association with Cardi B going on. I saw the the deputy commissioner of, of OEL there, and I we saw Chief Holmes there. That's a criminal association. I don't want to hear anything. It was at work. That was probably compensated security, like. Like uh, uh, Eric said offline, he said it's it that's compensated security. But we, what would uh, would Roger Stone have been acceptable guest to come up 
And and by the way, Roger Stone could carry a gun. He could vote. So if he could carry a gun, he's not a convicted felon. And Sal Greco got fired for being friends with him. Disgusting. Yeah, but you know what we learned from this administration? We learned from this administration there are different rules for celebrities. Because Mayor Adams' stance on a vaccine was if you're a celebrity, you can play baseball, you can play basketball. You're welcome to play in my city if you're a celebrity. But if you're a New York City police officer, well, there's a different rule for you. You have to get the injection. Same thing goes. If you're Sal Greco and you align with someone that has different political views as the ones that you want, well, it's okay as long as you you, you sign with a celebrity like Cardi B. I mean, again, double standards. It's all about celebrities. Cardi B can go shake her ass at, 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 at New York City Police Department facilities, and you and I know the lyrics, and the lyrics are self-admittedly saying that she's a blood gang member. I mean, that's who we're allowing into our facilities. Men and women on the in the police department doing special operations or just patrol, wearing the uniform, have died in a lot of line of duty by firearms from convicted felons, from gang members, from criminals. And this is who penetrates the New York City Police Department, who's who's patrolled around to honor our our precious facilities, to be a role model to our girls, to our kids, our young ladies. This is, this is atrocious. I mean, obviously, they didn't care about any lash, uh, any backlash. Didn't even think about it. I, I mean, John, how do we get to the point that these chiefs don't even think about? Wait a minute, this might not be a good idea. How do we get to that point? They're drunk with power. They're drunk with power. Same as same as the politicians in New York City. They don't care. Just get it done. I'm sure none of the chiefs had their back up against the wall if they didn't want to take that shot. You know, and uh, I'm still putting the foil in for I want to know. I want to know by rank, by gender, by ethnicity, by tier, by assignment and, and where you're assigned. Who received who received religious accommodations and medical accommodations? I need to know that. I need to know that because I think it'll tell a tale. I think it'll tell a tale. You know, I heard a little rumor buzzing around that the entire OEO reasonable accommodation unit, or if it's not the entire, I think it was the majority, all have approved religious exemptions first time around. Obviously, because they know the law, right? So they they wrote <laughs> so the, the commissioner was like, How can I deny them? They know the law. We'll have a big lawsuit on our hand. Let's approve them. We'll we'll take the other mushrooms and then we'll go through it. Um, so they <laughs> they're out, man. They they don't they don't even know what they say from one day to the next, you know. The police academy motto, enter to learn, go forth to serve, right? Enter to learn, yeah. go forth to serve. What did what are we learning in the academy with Cardi B coming there? How are you going to serve New York City when you see someone who doesn't want to come there, who's only there for community service for assaulting someone, a known gang member, someone who omit, who openly bashes the NYPD constantly. What what was learned? What was taught there? You know, to me, what was taught there is that celebrities, there's different rules. There's different rules for them, just like that's what I learned. And there's also different rules for chiefs on this job compared to uh unfortunately I hate to say this, but Italian American cops. And it's unfortunate, you know I, 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 I we have to bring race into this. But there is a I believe there's a disproportionate amount of, uh, you could say, penalties or, I mean, we see it. 
Sergeant Martillo, uh, she's she lost 40 days for having a Trump patch, Italian American, and South Greco. Yeah. But for Chief Holmes, it's okay. She's she's a female, she's a chief. Different rules. Same game, but different rules. Yeah. Well, we see well, I did hear recently, um, I don't know if you saw in the paper. Did you see that captain, Italian guy? Supposedly he was telling girls to go down on him and all this other stuff. And there's yes. complaints. I, re- I was reading that article and there was some nepotism in there. So that he's one, he's an outlier and, and the Italians get more discipline. He's a, he's an outlier. Supposedly he's related to a three-star chief who's now a commissioner. And I'm going to mess his name up because I, I, oh, I think uh, they said he was related to uh, the guy that used to be the chief of Staten Island and he was a chief of transit. I could picture him, but I can't think of his name. But supposedly he's related to him, so he's had numerous sexual complaints against him in the NYPD as a captain. Um, and again, I want to give everybody due process, but yeah. I hear that there's I hear that there's a line out the door, and everyone says he's a creep. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> well, but but this goes this goes to what we're saying, right? People get discriminated against because they're not fit the diversity bill when it comes to this job. But then the other thing is the nepotism. So listen, I think it's unfortunate. Whether you're female, black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Everyone should be treated the same when it comes to discipline. There should be a, a, a level playing field. Absolutely. Chief Holmes should be a- analyzed the same way that Sal Greco was when it comes to allowing someone to associate with a known criminal. As far as I'm concerned, Roger Stone, from all the research I have done, is not a known criminal. He was pardoned. And if you look up the de- definition of someone being pardoned, they were exonerated for that crime. And you said it. He has the right to vote. He can own a gun, which means he is not a convicted felon. Yeah. And it. either way, you know what? Listen, I, if if Sal Greco was never terminated, if we didn't have this issue, you know what? I could potentially overlook it. Say, you know what? Okay. Let's say Cardi B is, is an example to say, hey, listen, you know what? You can go on the wrong path in life and still make something of yourselves and still become famous, but still acknowledge the pitfalls. You know what? I would be open to that. But since Sal Greco was terminated, I'm not open to it because now it's a double standard. So, it's, you know, if, Sal, if, if it's okay for Chief Holmes, then Sal Greco should be reinstated, given back pay, and a substantial amount of money for pain and suffering. It should be a level playing field. You know what? And then if it's okay... For Chief Holmes, it should be okay for Sal Greco. Especially, he's he's befriending someone that's influential, has a talk show. I mean, it's been part of politics for many years. Gave a big portion of his life to politics, to this country. And he was pardoned, which means he's exonerated. Sal Greco, as admittedly said, that's his friend. I think he should be allowed to have Roger Stone as his friend. I, you know what, Sal, we got your back. Keep standing strong. Yeah, and, and like, you know, I, I put that tweet out or whatever. It kind of went a little viral. I think every news agency grabbed it and put my tweet out there when I said Cardi B and her WAP. Um, I, I do. I think it was classless, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, I, it it could have been beneficial. Like, Absolutely. Right? Beneficial, but, but, not, but not for community service. Come there on your own to give back. You know what I mean? Not for community service is not beneficial. Community service to me, I'm not kidding. She should have been picking up trash on the side of the road. That would have been more beneficial to not only the youth in that room that day, 
but the youth across this city that, wow, look what happens when you mess up. Look what happens when you mess up. You just, you get, you get humbled. Right. So we didn't, we didn't humble hard. We didn't teach anybody a humble lesson, but you know, so even in those circumstances now, you know, they make a bad decision. They have her come. She's there. I put out a tweet. It goes viral. They get a ton of bad publicity over it. I mean, even rap, even rap publications was siding with me, which I was shocked. You know, I was shocked. Um, you know, um, and what, what do we learn? Like, where are, her, where are the clips of her given some wisdom? Like, what was said? Well, we learned we learned that this job is run by a double standard. You said it. It's always the same game with different rules. But that's why I'm saying, you know, I could overlook it. If if it, if Sal Greco was never penalized and, it, and it's okay for him to befriend Roger Stone, then I could overlook this and I'm open to a discussion and say, okay, where do we see the benefit of Cardi B coming here? All right? I, I agree with you. It shouldn't be community service. But where do we see the benefit? But since Sal Greco was terminated – I think it's completely off the table. It shouldn't even be discussed. No, oh, 100%. I mean, 100%. But but what I'm saying is, what what wisdom did she provide to those youth? How was her community service fulfilled that day? Like, I was going to ask you the same thing. I'm glad you said that. I was going to ask you, what was her community service? She obviously didn't say anything. She shook her ass. She had her nails in there, and she got the hell out of there. You know, and that was it. Like, you know. I, I, you know, personally, I don't even think she belonged in a facility. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, you know, she shouldn't have been in a, in a secure facility. She should have been somewhere in public. Um. Listen, I, listen, I, I, I say this all the time, and I really believe it. I do believe that people deserve second chances. I don't think that you, well, if you commit a crime in your life, that's it. We should write you off and, and, and your life is done. No, we should learn from it. But again, this goes back to the double standards. If it's good for Cardi B, it's good for San Greco. If it's not good for Cardi B, it's not good for San Greco. We have to pick and choose. You know, we can't just pick and choose, well, because we don't like to side with the politics of Trump, and we like Cardi B. Uh, I mean, listen, it, 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 you know, they have to pick and choose their battles. You can't. They talk two sides of their mouths. I've been talking about this for the longest time, and the, the, this police department is famous for that. Yeah, I mean, what what do you, what do you think would happen if Martillo and and you, and you said this earlier? What do you think would happen if Martillo had a, a patch of of Cardi B's face and on the other side of it what? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I mean, apparently after this, it wouldn't be a problem. She'd actually probably be with Cardi B doing girl talk at the 88 precinct with 13 year old girls. I don't think it would have been a problem for years now. I like I I don't I you know I think that the we're, we're just going away from standards. We're going away from anything, and the only people that are getting, you know, it's selective enforcement again. Who's going to get it? And I just saw uh, Karen Bass, the LA mayor, was saying that she uh, she wants to dumb down standards even more to deflect white supremacy and policing. Makes oh my god! I mean, I think that was the most racist statement I ever heard in my life. I was like, I, I was like, wait, repeat that. And it was she wants to get rid of white supremacy she wants to get she wants to remove white white supremacy in policing so she wants the lower standards i'm like that's the most racist thing i've ever heard in my life and if i was a black person i would be jumping up and down i think that every black man and woman that is currently an lapd police officer and those that vie that want the job should be completely insulted 
you're saying that you have to lower the standards so that you weed out white people. What you're saying is that the white people are better, even if the white people are racist and they're supremacists and they have bad intentions, they're still better than you and more qualified. That's absolutely ridiculous. I worked with black men on the police department and women that were better looking than me, were taller than me, stronger than me, smarter than me. So, but yet, we have these this woke ideology that standards should be lowered for them. Every one of them should be insulted. I worked with some of the finest black men and women in the police department, in the Marines. This is a disgrace. Those that, that pushed this anti-police advocate <coughs> is pushed by the, for diversity. If you read between the lines, they're the ones that show the extreme amount of discrimination and racism. That's disgusting to even say that. Yeah, I, I, and my personal opinion is that these progressives are pushing the lowering standards, not because they care about black and brown people. They don't at all. Not because they care about white supremacy, because white supremacy in New York City and L.A. is completely laughable. I mean, I don't, you know, like how many white supremacy groups do we have in New York City or do they have in L.A.? I don't None. Actually, maybe L.A. Maybe L.A. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know L.A., but I know in New York City. What do we have? How many? None. Two guys, three guys. And they're probably junkies on the corner that are a bunch of idiots, um, you know, and like, so we don't even have that here. And my, my whole thing is they're dumbing down these standards to have more incidents like the Memphis, Tennessee incident where you're going to have thugs killing people and it's going to be more cause for the public outcry to further strip us of our ability to ultimately remove our firearms and ultimately abolish the police. Absolutely. I, I mean, this ideology of white supremacy is funny. Cop watch that loves to troll us, which they're the biggest losers out there. But I think, unfortunately, they, they've slid down to uh, spot number two on our fan base. Unfortunately, the PBA trolls, they have been in number one spot. But for the cop watch out there, they've referred to me as a, a white, supremacist, white supremacist numerous times, and they've forwarded my name to right-wing extremist group. I mean, the funny part is I'm Jewish. They didn't ever ask. So I don't know how I can be a white supremacist. <laughs> I had a bar mitzvah. I mean, come on. Well, they said you're known as the boogeyman in the Bronx. So. That's right. The boogeyman. <laughs> the boogeyman in the Bronx. Well, if I was the boogeyman, that means we did a good job. Because when we came out and we grabbed guns off of the most violent perpetrators, they didn't see us coming. Yeah. <laughs> And and uh and big shout out to you, Cop Watch, for listening to this. And you could keep stealing all my posts and putting them on your your Instagram. I'm glad I'm helping you guys out. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I think Cop Watch, I think they admire us. I think they have respect for us. I think at this point they they're becoming more friend and foe. They actually like what we're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I I you know like I, at first I was like yeah maybe they have good intentions, but I I really don't think they do, man. I I really <laughs> think they, they have a divisive message. They're just looking to get paid. They're looking for people to hit their uh you know get some donations. They're like they're real. They're all over the place, man. They're a fraud organization. Like they're fraud. They they don't they don't care about the betterment of their community or or the betterment of the children or or creating a better environment for everybody. They're a bunch of frauds. Uh, I'm just buying it. <laughs> no, I, I agree. No, yeah. I mean, they're, they're very similar to, to the current administration that they have that's been attacking us. You know, they don't want they don't want to be exposed in the light of day. They're afraid to come and sit on this podcast as well. I don't blame them. The truth is a scary thing. You know, me and Eric are going to be here continuing to do our stuff. You know, if you don't like it, don't watch. 
But apparently, people like it. They're watching. They're listening, and we're getting downloads. I appreciate everybody that, that's downloading it. You know? you know, being a person that's always taking pride on telling the truth and being honest, even even if I have to say, "Hey, I was wrong," I never look down on it because every every situation, I always felt I learned from it. I always ask myself, "How can I be better tomorrow than I am today?" And how do you become better tomorrow? It's not by your successes. It's by your failures. Every day we fail. We all fail. Thomas Edison, it took him a thousand times to get the light bulb correct. I mean, it's a thousand times. You know, people said, oh, he, th- he failed a thousand times. He said, no, it was a thousand steps to success. So throughout our failures, we, failures, we learn. That's, champions don't become champions because they, they constantly succeed. It's because they get knocked down and keep going. And they tell the truth about themselves. They're honest with themselves. You know, I have deficiencies. I have weaknesses here and there. That's why we're telling the PBA, be honest with the deficiencies of the PBA. And we'll be honest with the strengths. Let's let's exploit them. Do what's best for the members. But they don't want to identify the weaknesses. And they're still, at this point, they have not taken responsibility for what happened at that PBA meeting. They have not come out with a formal apology to move forward. Instead, they're defending their actions by saying that, this uh, this kid was wrong. Whether he was wrong or right, I mean, I, I hate to say the old cliche, two wrongs don't make it right, but it's true. The actions that they took just overshadowed any anything that Ant- Ant Gambino did, whether he was right or wrong, that completely overshadowed it, and the questions were there about integrity. Integrity should be the most important thing to the police department. That's something that we learn when we get on the job. It's constantly driven into us. Integrity, integrity. We police each other. And that's what's said. I mean, you know what? Kudos to Pat Lynch that you create this cult type environment that they follow you to the point that they'll follow you to the brink of getting themselves in trouble. Because not one person stood out there and said, right? You know what? Fuck them. You know what? Not one person came out and said, you know what? This is wrong. And you know what, Anthony Gambino, whether you're right or wrong, I don't know. But I know at some point in your life, you are a Marine. So simplify, brother. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And if you comes out that you were wrong, I'll admit I was wrong. But until then, simplify, brother. Death before dishonor. No, well said. I mean, I, 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 I would, I would give anybody the benefit of the doubt. I don't knowingly know what's what's the thought is in someone's head. I could say I think it, but to sit there and call someone a fucking perp in front of hundreds of people, I just think, you know, especially when, when, when the, when, when you're saying, oh, I want, I want, I want to represent you. I'm here to represent you. Me. <laughs> You just fucking call me a perp for no reason, like you, for or or maybe or even if there was a reason, like let the guy get his due process. Then, who do you surround yourself with? Who do you surround yourself with? Oh, they surround themselves with uh, the guy who ran on the summon scandal was probably an unidentified witness, um, and he retired and he came back after the the coast was clear. That's who he surrounds himself with. Who do you well, John, let's, let's be honest. You were internal affairs. What is internal affairs doing right now as we speak? What are they doing right now in regards to this? I mean, they're investigating it. You know, they're investigating. They should be setting up the GOs. They should be pulling all the financial records. They should be pulling, you know, I'm sure they're subpoena and phone records too. So, you know, I'd be a little nervous right now if I was the board because I'm sure that they're pulling their whole phone record. They're seeing the contacts that were made, who spoke with what. And, you know, that's... That's what's going to happen. An investigation is going to be done. Interviews will be had. Um, at the end of the day, I'm going to say it again. I, I don't know how anyone knows that young man's intentions and and something that happened to me. 
you know, I've showed up at the bank after I tried to after I tried to mobile deposit something, and the guy's like, "What are you talking about? You already deposited it." And I was like, "Oh, okay. See you later." You know, it's happened to me. You know, and I don't. And again, I don't know anybody who's deposited <laughs> check twice and got away with it. I just don't. I mean, never heard of it. If it if it comes up that he did he, that it was a complete mistake, it was an honest mistake, and he's not doing anything of a criminal nature. Do you think the PBA is capable of coming out and giving a formal apology? At this point, no. I don't. I think that I think they buried their head. I think they 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 sank their uh, they they planted their flag. They planted their flag. They should. I mean, and I got one better for you. After the investigation's done. I'm pretty sure nothing's going to come out of it. They should all face a lawsuit. I agree 100% for complete slander. I mean, it's almost as if you accuse someone of rape or molestation and their name is smeared. And then we find out they're completely exonerated or it's unfounded. It never happened. No matter how much apologies that we give this person, the name has already been smeared. Right? He's, they've already shown that no matter what, he's always going to be outcast in the PBA. And the question was posed to me through Twitter. Even if it was just a mistake, is it still wrong? Should he be removed from the PBA? You know what? That's a valid point. But the actions that you took are completely inappropriate and unprofessional. And what kind of mistake? You know what? Is a mistake a bad judgment or just a mistake because he's doing a lot of work for the PBA? This is a case-by-case basis. It should be looked at. I think, honestly, it sounds like a mistake that I could have made. You said you made the mistake. I probably made the mistake. I just don't remember it. We all make mistakes. I've done plenty of dumb things in life. But to, 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 you yeah. know what? To, to accuse him and call him a perp, you're saying that at this point you have enough evidence to prove that he was he had a criminal mindset and he had the intent to steal that money for the PBA. So he should step people should step down for mistakes. So then Pat Lynch should have stepped down the first time he went to perp. Yeah. I, I would have put my last dollar. I knew you were going to say that right now. No, because it, 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 we all make mistakes. You know, to sit here yeah. and pretend somebody's perfect. You know, I'm a flawed individual. I'm going to sit here and say I never made a mistake. I've made plenty of mistakes. I've got, I got a ton of things going on in my family, with my personal life, with my business, with all of these things. I mean, I'll tell you one better. I just threw a checkout. I just threw a, a checkout in the garbage. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody sent me a check for something. I threw it in the garbage. I had to reach out and be like, hey, sorry, I threw that check out. I don't know what I did with it. I know what I did with it. I ripped it up and I threw it out in the garbage. And it was a a, a good check. You know, uh, was that a crime? Is that a mistake? Yeah. Am I an idiot? Does that mean I'm a completely incompetent person? No. I had a million things going on that day. I didn't sit down for a minute. And, uh, you know, and, and who knows what was going on at that time and what, and what was going on with him and his personal life. And, and all these different things. And, you know, I, like I said, he deserves due process. Nobody deserves what happened that day. Um, so, I, you know, I don't want to talk about it no more. But I'm sure that after we drop this podcast, we'll be getting a few more stuff, uh, a, a few more attacks on it. And uh, But that's fine. Oh, I, I, I actually look forward to it. The first thing I wake up, I want to see what the clown says to me or what these other guys. It's great laughter. I appreciate it. Keep me well amused. I don't know if they know it, but I got really thick skin. So I just keep laughing. That's all. I, I appreciate it. And it. But it motivates me because when people are talking about you, that means you're doing a good job. You are. And you know what? You can't 
I, I, I had put out something on Instagram. It's true. If you're worried about what other people think of you, you're going to be mediocre. And we're not here to be mediocre. We're not trying to, you know, to win anything. We're just trying to seek the truth. We are speaking out what I've heard for years. I heard people talk about the locker room. Oh, I can't wait till I retire. I'm going to talk about the job and tell the truth. You know what? I see plenty of people retire before me, and no one spoke out. Everyone was scared of being a coward, except for us. You know, I, I like to bring up this topic. So, civilian complaint review board is very dear to me. It's a touchy subject. It's something that we could constantly talk about. We should never let go because it's a vital and important aspect of policing, especially in the modern era with the New York City Police Department. The inception of the Civilian Complaint Review Board was just a pathway and gateway to give civilians more power, more oversight with the New York City Police Department. And here we are at this pinnacle moment in history. And, you know, what, what is the PBA doing about it? Zero zilch. Just, just unbelievable. It, it really is. But I hear, you know what? I always hear about, oh, you know, people that people love and great guys. So retired Chief Fox is going to be uh, is appointed as a CCRB board member. And I put up some tweets and some stuff on Facebook that says, hey, you know what? I don't know him personally. I don't. I didn't work in transit, but I heard great things about him. I heard he's a great guy. But what I didn't hear, I never heard anybody say he was a great leader. I heard he's a great guy, a nice guy. But that doesn't always cut the mustard. So I have my doubts. I'm hopeful. I would like him to make us proud. But I got to be honest, I have my doubts. O'Neill was supposed to be a cop's cop. He proved us wrong. Former Commissioner Shea, he was supposed to be the great white hope. He was a, a cop's cop. He's the biggest disappointment. So you know what? I don't have any faith for Joe Fox, retired chief, to come out and be the great savior of the CCRB. The only ones that have a chance is the New York Spies Retired Unfiltered Podcast. That's about it. Yeah, well... We'll see. Listen, I, I like Joe Fox. I think he's a great guy. I do. You know, he's he's made a lot of, uh, I you know, he's said a lot of things that stuck with me throughout my career. Um, I think that he does care about the city. I think he does love being a cop. I think he truly, genuinely loves it. Like, he stays around it. He goes to all these things. He does motivating things. But I, but I, I will 100% agree with you. I don't believe that he exhibited leadership during these last two years. I think these last two years exposed who's the real deal and who's not, you know, and absolutely. And, and guys that stayed silent and pretended that nothing's going on. Dermot Shea, Bill Bratton, Joe Fox, every chief that I could think of. Um, I could name them all. I, I, they exhibited zero leadership and they're not the real deal. They're not leaders. They didn't exhibit any moral integrity. It's hard. Leadership is saying and doing the things that are hard that are going to put you out on an island by yourself, you know? And in years from now, people are going to pretend what they did in these last two years. And they're going to talk about what they did. And, you know, and everybody will know the truth. Or maybe they won't. But, I, I mean, that person will know. They'll know, you know? And so I, I do I think he can make a big impact in CCRB? I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't believe so, though. I'm, but I did, you know, like I said, you sent them a message. And I said, I said, I... You know, I said the CCRB is lacking the perspective of the average citizen and of the police officer. They're lacking those perspectives. And hopefully you could fill one, if not both. So, I mean, I'm willing, you know, we'll see. We'll see. 
But I mean, either way, we'll go. We'll go to the next monthly meeting. We'll see what what he tolerates, what he's able to listen to, and sit there, and how he responds to things. I mean, from everything I heard, honestly, he sounds like he's a beautiful man. I've heard nothing but great things about him. Obviously, he's got great gestures. Yes, I do believe he cares about the men and women. I think he cares. I think he loves policing. But since post George Floyd, I'm not. I've not heard him once stand up and come out publicly and say what's happened to the guys is wrong. I haven't heard him once. So he may be a beautiful person. And you know what? He's pro- obviously he's liked by all because I've got a lot of message on it. Hey, you know what? Let's let's. He's going to do the right thing. This that. When everyone likes you, that's also a problem, too. Because at some point, you had to take a stand in your leadership where people would be opposed to you as well. So I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I hope he makes me proud. But I am doubtful because it takes a really strong person, Will, to step outside the box. We have not seen that yet. So, like I said, I'm hopeful, but I'm not going to uh, hold my breath. And, and if I keep my hopes up, I'm going to be disappointed. I, like I said, I'm not taking away. He sounds like a beautiful man. He sounds like he sounds like a, a really genuine good person because I've only heard good things. So, but is that enough to be the catalyst to change CCRB to actually give that police perspective that we've been asking for? I I, I don't think so, honestly. No. Yeah, I, I we'll see. I mean, we'll see right away, right? We'll see what continues to come down. I mean, the, the what what happened to you guys in the Bronx is a real telltale of what happens to the NYPD when they respond to a riot going forward. Oh, March 1st, uh, city council register. You could do it via zoom or you could show up. They're going to try that. They're going to have a discussion on disbanding, uh, SRG. Um, and, 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 you know, and one of the things I want to talk about at that meeting actually is, is the fact that that June 4, 2020 riot, um, Bronx, 86 cops, received charges out of probably about a hundred that responded 86 cops. So that's what happens when the NYPD in modern era responds to a riot, a riot. We're getting assaulted. We're getting stuff thrown at us. Properties being damaged. They've taken over the street. Uh, no vehicular traffic could pass through. No pedestrian traffic could pass through. A mother can't walk down the block with her kids. An old lady can't go to the store. Uh, maybe someone needs to get medicine. And these people are destroying our city and 86 cop received charges for doing their job, how they were trained to do, how what they were told to do and what they were ordered to do. And we had a three star chief in the back giving the orders who went on scaling. And one last thing that we didn't include, the information that was provided to the troops that were on the ground, the police officers, the cops, the rank and file. And the executives that were out there at that time getting the information in live time as the assembly was going on, as these groups started to form for this riot, the information that we had, and it was all credible information, that there was a nexus between two cars that were apprehended with occupants to this riot. The first car was a group of occupants in the possession of illegal firearms. The second car were occupants in possession of volatile uh, cocktails. And the information that we got was there was a credible source that this was a nexus to this actual riot. This was all happening in live time. So you have a direct order that the curfew was going to sh- it, it, going to be put into effect. We have the chief in place saying that we're going to make these arrests. The cops were requested 
on the radio. They were asking for more cops to respond with baton and helmet. These are all the tripping factors, and all the cops did there, including myself, was walk into a civilian complaint, which included ultimately substantial amount of charges and a penalty of discipline. I mean, so we'll we'll know right away, right? Next thing, there's a ton of cases still coming down from from 2020. There's a ton of cases that still need to be decided on. Joe Fox is going to decide on that. Now, listen, his vote doesn't weigh heavily, uh, and like everybody needs to know that 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 police uh, the the police commission appointee, the vote does not weigh heavily. They are outvoted. But what will his vote be? What will his say be? What will he say in the media? Will he say anything? What will he say on his social media? You know, because I, you know, uh, currently I, I just see a lot of people just posting all this positive stuff about policing and how great of a job it is. Totally ignoring that guys are committing suicide, that guys are being fired, that guys are being demonized, that they don't know what they're doing. They're going out there with no clear message. And listen, all those things are great. And I, I listen to my motivational videos and everything too. But uh, if you're trying to push back, at the messaging of what's going on here because you want to ignore you're a complete coward i don't really care what you got to say glad for you you had a great 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 career because you kept your head down um so you could post all the positivity you want about how great of a job this is and everybody should shut their mouth about it because i've seen that a lot recently and 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 i know that it's a direct attack on this and and I, I don't think anybody's been more positive and more motivating and more enlightening than me and you, Eric, because I do believe it's a breath of fresh air to hear actual people talk about the issues instead of being a little merry, afraid to talk about anything. <laughs> These funerals to and stand and grandstand and with your suit on and doing all this fucking bullshit talking, you know. So, you know, sorry to go off on a, a tyrant, but uh, I was just, it just brought something up in my head. But, uh, yeah, no, so I listen. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, for the support. You know, we'll be back. Absolutely. 265 Police Live. Thank you, everybody, for listening. New York's finest retirement filter podcast. To the PBA members that have been trolling us, thank you very much. I hope you see the light. If not, thank you for watching the podcast. We appreciate it. We'll see you out there.